This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 278. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this bonus episode we are doing a little bit of movie club action. It's listener reviews for Challenge Teapot's August 2020. And the final episode in our four episode jaunt into Spanish language horror and uh, boy did we bring the room down with the final selection coming up after the break we will be listening to your reviews and I'm looking forward to getting into those reviews of my final pick it's going to be fun or traumatising, one of the two we'll find out which way it's going to go before we get to that as always let's recap where we are, this is a heavily intensive week of podcast hour content, the reason I say that is you're getting two summer series episodes this week the first one dropped on Monday, a five and a half hour episode covering 2003. And then on Saturday, instead of doing the usual kind of listener choice episode, we are dropping another summer series episode looking at 2004. That one also, I think, is over the four hour mark. So a lot of content coming there. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why are you doing two in one week? Well, that's because this coming Monday is a special anniversary for podcasts under the stairs. It will mark the seventh year of our podcasting uh, for podcasts under the stairs so I'm doing a little special episode where myself bringing back the mighty powerful Baz for a little bit of Bazarama action sitting down chatting and catching up with the Baz to celebrate seven years of the podcast under the stairs. The day before that though is Sunday 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 and we will be doing a little bit of the 88 Films Italian Collection series for all y'all out there. This coming weekend, we have Where to Begin with the Giallo. We should have, by the end of the week, the next instalment of Opera Omnia, and within a couple of days after that, Dowin the Nasty, just to keep you all locked in place, coming from the Teapots Collective. And there you go, that is you all caught up, ladies and gents, which means it's time to get into a little bit of action. I hope you are ready. I want to say once again, just before we even kick off here, thank you very much to everyone out there that took a bit of time to submit their review and it's great. I know some people were maybe struggling to get their reviews in or struggling to find the movie. Unfortunately, maybe not as easy to track down as some of the other titles and I totally get that. It's one that's readily available in the States but not so much anywhere else but yeah when we come back after the break you are going to hear listener reviews of in a glass cage from 1986 reviews of that movie from the listeners coming right up right after this hey feeling down feeling low not enough podcasts about movies in your life why not try they must be destroyed on sight 
the new podcast Cure All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for In a Glass Cage. This is our fourth and final Spanish language horror movie as selected by myself for Movie Club. And it is mostly audio reviews in for this particular selection. Uh, Maybe not as many reviews as we generally get, but the quality is fucking incredible this episode. And I really, really enjoyed the the mental gymnastics that people have taken to, to review this movie. Um, like I said in my kind of preamble on the the announcement for this title, it is a deeply uncomfortable movie and it, it handles subject matter which 
I don't think anyone should be comfortable around full stop. So let's see how you guys go on with it. Our first audio review comes in from longtime friend and just generally awesome dude, Rafael Fernandez. Rafael says, Hello, T-Bus folks. You know, I don't think pedophilia is for me, but I can tolerate it, along with homoeroticism and torture, if it's part of a work of art. So, Challenge Teapot's segment earns its title this month with Agusti via Rongas in a Glass Cage, the most unsettling horror film I've personally seen. I'm aware that there's worse films out there, films whose primary purpose is to shock and offend at the expense of a good story, but I tend to avoid them because it's just not what I want from my horror fix. However, the balance between disgusting acts and genuinely good storytelling was just right for In a Glass Cage. The movie introduces Klaus, a former Nazi death camp doctor and serial child rapist and killer who's just murdered his latest victim, a hanging, buck-naked teenaged boy. Already that was more graphic than I expected, and questioning my life choices, like why am I watching this? But Klaus appears to have a crisis of conscience and wanders onto the roof of the abandoned building in which he's done the deed, while an unseen person recovers Klaus' journal of his crimes. On to the credit sequences that reveal Klaus' past. Later, Klaus' wife Griselda and daughter Rena are nursing him around the clock because he's paralyzed from a quote-unquote accident and confined to an iron lung. And that was confusing. His wife referred to an accident as the cause of his paralysis, but I can't tell if it was a suicide attempt from a crisis of conscience or he suffered some kind of health emergency that affected his balance and caused him to fall. It's important to me for a reason I'll get to later. Griselda wants a professional to take care of Klaus, and conveniently, a young man, Angelo, arrives to do so, claiming to be a nurse. Straight away, we know Klaus and Angelo have some unknown history, while Griselda is rightly suspicious of Klaus' sanction of the unskilled young man. In the course of the movie, we learn Angelo was one of Klaus' young victims, and the abuse he suffered has turned him into a killer as well, inspired by Klaus' journal, and is bent on torturing his mentor by murdering Griselda, corrupting his daughter Rena, and murdering young boys in Klaus' name. From a purely objective perspective, which is probably an oxymoron, In a Glass Cage is a well-made horror thriller. I don't know how any European makes a horror thriller without any Jalo influences, so I bet they're in there. Stylishly filmed death sequences, I suppose, count. Black gloves check, black coat check, organized killer tools in a protective container check, past trauma check, investigation plot uncheck, unidentified killer uncheck, so it has limited Jalo influences. Related to the visual style, there was a heavy use of gray colors in clothing and set design. I'm not film literate enough to be certain why it's done, but my guess is it makes faces more important. And I noticed that after the opening credits, the movie bookends with a shot of a snow globe. That's all technical stuff, but when it comes to grading the movie on the feels, I cannot discount the fact that I did not enjoy watching the sexual abuse of kids and only tolerated better the homoerotic content. I recognize that the film wouldn't have the impact it does without those elements, but to me, that speaks to the film's technical merit 
a filmmaker knew how to disturb me. As far as messages go, the best one that I could find was that abuse begets abuse. Last month, Kate Pollack noted about who can kill a child, and I'm paraphrasing here, that adults' failure to protect children was the genesis of the conflict. This movie was a progression on that, where adults' straight-up abuse of children creates monsters. I think there's also commentary about how monstrous atrocities like the Holocaust have negative effects that ripple into the present. Going back to Klaus' accident, it matters to me if Klaus tried to commit suicide versus suffered a fall because a suicide attempt implies remorse and further implies that he's repulsed by Angelo's tortures later. I prefer to think that Klaus played along because of his helplessness and desire to distract Angelo away from Rena. And Klaus does act heroically to try to protect his daughter at the end. I like that kind of redemption story, so for me that helps. But Rena's betrayal at the very end was a downer. Even though I recognize that this is a technically good movie, and I am thankful to be compelled to leave my comfort zone for these Challenge Teapots reviews, I do look forward to whatever Duncan thinks we should see. If Duncan said, watch this brutal European prego Granny Scheiser porn, I would do it. And I'd probably enjoy it, but I will not revisit In a Glass Cage anytime soon. So for me, going on the feels, I will give In a Glass Cage a 2.5. Sorry, Duncan. For a genre movie with strong homosexual themes I did enjoy, lest you think me a bigot, check out Killer Condom a German horror comedy set in New York about a homosexual police detective faced with a spate of genital mutilations that are actually the work of genetically engineered penis-eating monsters. Genuinely a fun movie. For my tagline, Death Camp Doctors, Vile Tortures, Make a Monster. That's shit. Anyway, thanks for listening everybody, and I look forward to hearing what everyone else has to say about In a Glass Cage. And thank you very much to Rafael Fernandez for sending in that review. Always great to hear from you, my friend, and I hope everything is doing well in your part of the world. Right, next, our next audio review comes in from longtime contributor to Movie Club, David Garrett Jr. David says Hello, Duncan and T Puts listeners. David Garrett Jr. here back again for August 2020's Movie Club Challenge. And for this month, it is being the film In a Glass Cage. Now, this is one that I know I heard about on a podcast, but it's been some time, and it's actually one I don't really hear a whole lot about. But outside of what you said about the movie, Duncan, I really came in as blind as I could, so I could, you know, come in as a blank slate. Now, I did find this to be really interesting, though, when you piqued my ears hearing about, like, a Nazi child killer and you know kind of everything that goes along with that because for me the whole idea of you know the nazis and everything and seeing what happens to some of these people afterwards even if it is fictionalized is something that is kind of intriguing now in this film we kick it off with our one of our main characters of klaus who is portrayed by gunter meisner and i think he does a really good job because for the most of this movie he is stuck in an iron lung and can't really move around so he's really at the whim of everybody else around him but we get an idea that he is a child killer and i'm assuming probably also partakes in molestation but he ends up trying to kill himself and then is paralyzed and that's what puts him in the iron lung I also think it's interesting about this movie here is that 
he is in exile and hiding along with his wife, Griselda, and his daughter, of Reyna. From what it sounds like is his wife doesn't have any sort of knowledge about what he has done during the war, except that he did experiments on children. But I think this is kind of an interesting little dynamic here. She doesn't know the extent of what he did or that he was, I guess, a child killer as well. So there's a little bit of plausible deniability for her character, but I almost equate this to the people that were living in these different countries that were close to like the death and concentration camps because they had no idea what was going on and what the Nazis were doing. But I mean, there is still the idea that, at least for those people that were living next to the camps, that when they would smell burning flesh, they kind of just ignored everything. So there is a little bit of, you know, having your head buried in the sand type thing here. But this is a really heavy movie. I mean, you kind of get that idea, though, as I was saying, when you have, you know, a Nazi who's also a child killer. Because, I mean, that just makes him even worse. I mean, being one or the other is just bad enough. I do find it interesting that Angelo is the person that was spying on Klaus when he was committing this last murder that he, you know, tried to take his life after. And then took a scrapbook. But what I like here, though, is that we take a character like Klaus, who should be the monster here. And the movie almost makes you feel sorry for him for the state he's in. And it makes you question your morals because I'm sitting here thinking, at least for me, this is what I, t- what I took away from it, is that I'm seeing these horrible things happening to him, but I'm still reminding myself of what he's done. And then at the reveal of everything, I kind of go, okay, you know, he does deserve some of these things. Now, going along with this is that we also have Angelo, who isn't the most stable from the beginning either. Now, he has a photo of Klaus with a boy, and I kind of guess that this was going to end up being that Angelo was this boy here and that he has been seeking this out. I almost also feel like Stephen King must have seen this movie and borrowed elements for his novella of At Pupil, which I also believe was the first movie club challenge that I also participated in. If that is the case, he really did some changes to the idea, but keeping the core thing of here of how... The more knowledge of these things that happen, the more that it messes people up, and especially somebody who's younger like Angelo. But I also find it weird that he's reading the scrapbook that Klaus had been keeping, almost like it's a story, and you can clearly see that it's affecting both men. I mean, Klaus to relive everything that he's done, and then Angelo who is messed up because of the things Klaus did to him as a child. So I do like seeing that Klaus is getting, you know, this just punishment for everything that he deserves. But Angelo is also see, is descending into madness the deeper he gets into everything. I also do feel that the writer-director of Augusti Velaronga is doing some interesting things here with symbolism. The first one that I noticed is that opening scene when Angelo is telling things that he sees outside to Klaus. There's a fly on the window, and I almost feel like that fly is us. We're watching as someone who, you know, can't affect anything and just taking things as it in as it goes. And then the other kind of thing that I noticed as well is as Angelo starts to descend more and more into madness, he starts to burn furniture inside the house, puts up mesh wiring. So it almost makes the house look like a ghetto from a war-torn area in World War II. But I also feel like the state of the house is also showing Angelo's descent into madness that... The worse he gets, the worse the house that he's living in is getting as well. We also get some things here that I wanted to bring up with Grisilda, who it doesn't seem like she knows what her husband did, but she does know that he probably did some things that were pretty bad. And she does test Angelo to see if he actually has medical training because she doesn't believe it and believes that her husband is hiding something from her. Really the only characters in this movie that are really kind of free from any sort of issues where I don't necessarily like them is Reyna. And the things that happens to her as this movie goes on makes me feel bad because she really doesn't deserve it. 
And the other one is the maid, as she's just somebody who's helping there and, you know, going through everything like that. But that does also bring up an issue here of an endless cycle of atrocities. It makes me wonder if Angelo would have turned out the way he did if he was not abused by Klaus. But then in, in turn, though, Angelo is nice to Reina for the most part, but then she is also being kind of victimized, not as badly, but some of the things that are happening to her are definitely going to have lasting effects where it could mess her up. Not necessarily to say she would become like Angelo, but she could have some issues down the road. And then also the two victims that... Angelo picks up are also real victims in this movie as well. Now, one thing I do want to bring up that kind of confused me is I wonder where this movie is supposed to be taking place. As everybody's speaking Spanish, but Klaus is obviously from Germany. Now, it could be one of those things where everybody's just speaking Spanish because this is a Spanish film, but we're supposed to suspend disbelief there. I don't really care because I actually am a bigger fan that it is a possibility that Klaus knows how to speak Spanish as well as his family and everything like that, and that Angelo does as well. But I was just a little bit confused there. I do have issues, though, when a movie is supposedly just suspending the disbelief that they're all speaking the same language, but then they'll throw in words from that language in, and that's where I'm not a big fan of. I thought the acting, though, in this movie is really good across the board. I mean, really, though, Meisner as well as David Sust, who plays Angelo, they are really just driving this as the two people in here, and it blurs the lines of who's the true victim and who's not. I do think that the performance by Marisa Paradis is, I mean, it's kind of short, but what she does is very good in helping support there, as well as the little girl who plays Reyna. I thought they all kind of work here. There's not a way of effects, except I do like what they do to the house to make it look like, you know, he's legitimately destroying everything like that. But it's not really a movie where it's more of a psychological thing that we're going through. And then on top of that, the soundtrack of this movie I thought was really good. It made me feel uncomfortable a lot of times. It's pretty subdued, which also helps it work, but it just gives off a creepy vibe. Now, this is a movie, though, that I'm really glad you picked, Duncan, because I don't know if I would have ever gotten around to seeing it, as this one is, you know, very creepy and just psychologically damaging to see what these guys have gone through and what they're doing to those around them. So I had to come in as I think I've told you just recently, I'm a big fan of depressing films. So this one came in for at a four out of five for me. And for my tagline, Duncan, I have when sins of the past come back, a Nazi child killer must atone for what he's done in his own personal hell in a glass cage. I'm sure not another one that I'm not the biggest fan of, but it's the best one that I could come up with. Thanks once again, Duncan, for doing these. Can't wait to see what you have in store for us next and where we'll be going for the you know, next film that we get to check out for this Movie Club Challenge. This is David Garrett Jr. signing off. And thanks very much to David Garrett Jr. for sending in his review. Always great to hear from you, my friend. And you can check out David on one of our very recent episodes. He joined me to discuss Jaws as part of the first instalment in the two-part series for the Russian Roulette franchise retro, looking at the Jaws franchise. Uh, so great to hear him take a different tack and speak about a different sort of predator. Um, right, let's move on. This is a written review. comes in from our good buddy Tim Walker. He says, Hello Duncan and Teapots folk. One last month in Spain for Movie Club, and much like the previous months, it's also a dark and disturbing film except even more so than Who Can Kill a Child. In a Glass Cage from 1986, nominally is not a horror film, but just a dark drama. It's just that the drama is so dark and disturbing it has to be considered a horror film as well. 
I'd swear I had seen this one before, say five plus years ago, but I didn't remember much about it. How could I forget about this movie? I'm thinking I might have seen a dark copy of it on YouTube or something and missed a lot of the detail, or maybe I was really tired or distracted when I saw it. Either way, all I remembered about my first watch was it was well shot, well acted and fairly slow paced. Plus, it was very blue. Very blue. When I think of this movie, I think blue. Obviously, that was a deliberate choice from the director, either to bathe the film in coldness or depression. Uh, being blue is another way of saying feeling down or depressed, right? Anyway, on my first watch, I see I liked it, but not that much. I couldn't have been that disturbed by it, although to be fair to myself, I think I saw it around the time I was watching stuff like a Serbian film, Men Behind the Sun and Martyrs. I was on a disturbing movie kick at the time, and to be brutally honest, in comparison this movie was on the lower end of the spectrum. As I often ask, because Duncan often picks movies that I've seen but not in a long time, did this watch improve my opinion or rating of the film? Yes, very much so. Watching a fairly nice copy on Shudder this time probably helped. It helps when you can see what the hell is going on. I was still impressed by the acting, the blue cinematography and much of the dialogue. There really wasn't much in the terms of blood and gore effects and I think that might be a good thing. I think if they went into more detail the movie would be regarded much the same as a Serbian film or Men Behind the Sun that it's too nasty and mean-spirited for most people. Maybe it still is though. I've read that a lot of people walked out of screenings of this film when it debuted and that is understandable. I'm not condemning anyone. Anyway, one of the things I've liked most about this film was the exploration of the cycle of violence and cruelty, even by those who should be most repulsed by it. The actor who plays Angelo really captures that. He was very intense and his desire to recreate the crimes of Klaus was morbidly fascinating. Can't blame anyone who is offended, doesn't like or even hates this film, it's a rough one. Though like I said, not the most disturbing film ever, at least not with what was shown. It's dark though. This is not a movie to throw on for a good time on a Friday night, though that's when I watched it so what does that say about me? Much like last month's movie, when I first saw In a Glass Cage I would have given it a 3 out of 5 stars but now I'm bumping it up to a 4 and it could go up even further with repeat viewings. I really like it, though it might be a while before I give this one another go through. It's too intense to, wa it's too intense to watch that often, am I wrong? Alright, now for the tagline. Maybe like Who Can Kill a Child, the main objective of a tagline for this movie is to be a a bit of a, a content warning so nobody will head in thinking it's a fun popcorn film or anything. How about this? Cruelty and death are destined to repeat themselves when one is in the glass cage. It's a bit tougher than last month because this is more of an art house movie than a grindhouse movie. Grindhouse movies are much easier to sell with a flashy tagline. Anyway, my streak of positive reviews continues through all of the Hammer and Spanish films. We'll see about where we're going next. Maybe I'll make a return to being the lone voice of dissent against the month's movie picks. We'll see. See you then. Everybody, stay sane and stay safe and avoid glass cages. Take care, Duncan and Teapot's people, Tim. 
Thank you very much, Tim. I am unsure how things are going to land for you uh, for the next bunch because I have purposely went in a completely different direction and one that I've been wanting to do for a while and the titles in it are older uh, by their very nature and very much of their era that they'll either work really well with you or uh, you'll not like them. I've got a feeling you will though. I've got I've got a sneaky suspicion that you will. So there we go. Thank you very much to Tim Walker for sending that review into the show. Always great to hear from you as well. Which brings us to a final review which has been submitted in from our good buddy Lee Russell. He is the patron saint of Movie Club always closing out when he sends a review in. And let's find out what Lee had to say about In a Glass Cage. Okay, here I am for another Movie Club. Got the fan running in the background. Apologies for that, but it's still kind of warm where I am, so I need it. Uh, We're in Spain still. Final stop on the Spanish train, I guess. Looking at In a Glass Cage. And uh, I gotta applaud you, Duncan. You... Definitely made some choices in this series, and uh, this one, well, you outdid yourself. Um, so, this is essentially apt pupil, but uh, the Spanish version. So, uh, yeah, I did not know what to expect with this. I kind of read ahead of time what this was kind of about, and I was like, oh no, this is probably going to be bad, real, real bad. But. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, actually, uh, in a way. We'll, we'll get into it. But um, so this is far more graphic and psychologically complex as a horror film than uh, *Apt Pupil* is, uh, and ultimately far more disturbing. Uh, it brings up some quite graphic imagery for its time and country of origin. Uh, the underlying. Uh, uh, fucking really sadistic violence and the uh, homosexual elements seemed like they were designed to basically shock and sort of punctuate the uh, tragic consequences that this film uh, eventually gets to Um, sort of the consequences of what can happen to the abused when their abusers go on for years sort of undiscovered and unchecked and uh, as often with abuse it becomes a cycle of abuse. They, the the people who are victimized, they themselves can often end up becoming abusers themselves, and that happens in this film where Angelo replaces Klaus and uh, what's her name, Rina Reba, can't remember, uh, ends up kind of replacing Angelo, um, which is pretty tragic. This fits snug in with the likes of uh, like uh, Gaspar Noe's films or um, maybe Pasolini's uh, Sallow 120 Days of Sodom which honestly makes it a really hard film to recommend to most people uh, but it I'll say this about it, it's, it's strikingly brave, well made well shot uh, with fantastic performances top to bottom uh, for a film this grim to its credit it does often engage in restraint in what it wants to show and not show, uh, often leaving like the really brutal stuff uh, to the viewer's imagination. Uh, it never, thankfully, feels like exploitation. So, I've got to give it a lot of credit there. This film, like I said, not a fun watch. 
because of that, it really kind of holds no rewatch value for me, which hurts it as a film. Although I'm really glad I watched it, and I'm glad you suggested it, uh, Duncan. This was definitely something sort of out of my comfort zone, so um, I'm glad I got to watch it. But uh, keeping all this in mind, um, it has to sit out at a 4 out of 5 on the Netflix scale. Yeah, I don't... I <sighs> I don't know. I don't know what to say for a tagline for this. Uh, the worst horrors out there are the ones that you not see coming. Get it? Get it? Yeah. Uh, terrible. Um, thank you, Duncan. Thank you, T. Puts Movie Club. Looking forward to seeing what everyone else says about this one, and uh, excited to see where we go next. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Bye bye. And a massive thanks to Lee Russell for sending in his review, closing out our final Spanish-language horror movie of Movie Club for 2020. Guys, thank you very much for everyone that took part in this series. It was a ton of fun to curate another list of movies um, and bring some titles that I know for a fact people have seen quite a bit of, but also maybe an opportunity to shine a spotlight on some of those lesser-known titles that are out there are ones that you just never got around to checking out which to be honest is the fun part of movie club it's shining a spotlight on those titles that maybe you haven't seen uh, because you just never got into them or like in the case of tim and uh, reappraise a movie that you saw a while ago and you know you're just at that right time frame where coming back to it might be worthwhile and um, yeah it, it means a lot that everyone took part in this one and like i said uh, during this episode I genuinely think you're all going to get a kick out of what we're doing next uh, no half measures me uh, when we go all in we go all in and this one um, could go either way <laughs> it just depends what your interests are and, and how uh, how open minded you, you are to some of the titles that we'll be covering it's a very short time frame to cover some of these titles in terms of uh, when they were made and when they were relevant so we will see where we get to with that i'm going to take my final break just now though when i come back i'm closing out the show and i'm doing it right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs this has been bonus episode 278 this has been movie club for challenge teapots august 2020 the final movie in our spanish language john once again thank you to everyone that took part on this episode sending in reviews without you guys sending them in there ain't no movie club so you guys are keeping the dream alive there's a multitude of ways you can check out podcasts under the stairs wherever you're listening to right now hit subscribe on that feed that way you never miss a show from under the stairs. While you're subscribing to things, subscribe to the Tea Putts Collective and then you get access to all the other shows that I put out, whether it's Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty, Where to Begin With in Season 1 Looking at Jallo, or a little bit of Chronicle. That's free to do them both and it's the best way to support what I do. So please, please, please do that 
for me. Check out our website, it's tpartscast.com. You can buy merch to support this show by going to tpartscast.bigcartel.com. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tpartscast. Or check out the Teapots Collective on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash tpartscast. Reach out and touch myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at tpartscast. Nice and easy. Why not check us out in the Flick Chat app? It's free and available for Android and iOS, and our join code is TPUTSCAST over there as well. The podcast under the stairs will return for you this Saturday when we do the next instalment of the Summer Teapots Top 10 series, this time looking at 2004. It's another broad episode full of amazing chats and bants, so join us then for that. And until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.